0: All right, John chapter 18, open it up. If you got a Bible, you got a device, however you read your Bible, John chapter 18, we're moving along. Man, we are almost at the end. We're coming to it. Easter, a couple weeks after Easter, maybe, unless things change. We tend to change things up sometimes. Um, We're going to be looking at verse 15 to verse 27 today. And uh, what we're going to see today uh, is the story of a character called Peter. And Peter is awesome. Um, Peter has been walking with Jesus uh, through basically the entirety of Jesus' earthly ministry. But who is this guy Peter? Peter was a fisherman, so he's running a fishing business. He's a working man, right? So if you're a working man or woman, you'll understand Peter. You can probably relate to Peter. Uh, And this is what Jesus does. He walks up to Peter in his business as he's working, as he's fishing, and he says, Peter, follow me. I want to make you a fisher of men, right? Look at your job. Look at your skills. Look at your passions. Look at what you're doing with your life. I want to take that. I want you to follow me, and I want to use those things to point people to Jesus, to me, to God. You're going to fish for people now, and that's what Jesus does, right? He interrupts Peter's life in the best way possible, takes his job, takes his work, gives it a brand new purpose, and that's what he does for us, right? He walks up to each of us. He interrupts our life in the best way possible. We're doing our thing. We're working. We're doing relationships, doing school, whatever. Jesus comes in and says, hey, I've given you gifts, I've given you passions, I've given you talent, I've given you work to do, I've given you people in your life, I want you to use those things for the glory of God, I want you to use those things to point people to Jesus. So that's what he does, Peter says, yep, I'm in Jesus, he walks with him, becomes part of this uh, kind of close inner circle with Jesus, it's Peter, James, and John, they're these close guys that, that Jesus kind of extra extra care, extra pours into them, right, and then um Peter walks with Jesus. He watches him do miracles. He listens to his teaching. He does his best to follow him. But here's the thing about Peter that we are going to see today and that we need to learn. This is why Peter's so encouraging. Peter wants to follow Jesus. He's trying to follow Jesus, but he gets it wrong a lot of the time. He drops the ball. He messes up. He still wrestles with sin, right? We're going to see Peter get into a situation in this story where he's trying to follow Jesus, but he's, he's tempted, and he fails. He falls. He denies even knowing Jesus three times. And the reason that we need to pay attention to this is because in some way, we are all kind of like Peter, right? We're trying to live good lives. We're trying to walk with Jesus and follow him and live lives that are honoring and glorifying to God, but we still, on this side of heaven, wrestle with sin. We wrestle with temptation. And so if you're here this morning, and you have failed, you have sinned in the past, if you are here this morning and you are struggling, wrestling with sin right now maybe, um, if you're not in that place, you will be, right? Because all of us, every single one of us, we don't always love God like we should. We don't always love our families and our friends like we should. We don't always show up and represent God in the world like we should, right? We all fail, we all fall short. And the question that Peter is left with in the midst of his failure and that we are left with in the midst of our failure and sin is what does Jesus think of me now? Right, when we're in that place where we have failed, where we've fallen short, who is God then? Who is Jesus in the midst of my failure and sin? What does he think about me? And can he still take me, restore me, heal me, and do something awesome with my life? That's the question for Peter. That's the question for every one of us. Let's read it. It's a beautiful story, powerful, filled with hope. Verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, that's John. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? So why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. exactly what Jesus had predicted, exactly what he told Peter was going to happen. Peter's really jacked up. He's fired up to follow Jesus. He's telling Jesus in in chapter 13, Jesus, I'm going to follow you to the end. Even if every other disciple deserts you, not me. I'm sticking with you. I'll be with you. I'll even die for you. And Jesus says, will you? Will you, Peter? Peter? Actually, you're going to deny me three times when the heat's turned up, when the pressure's on, and that's exactly what happens. Not once, not twice, three times. In the face of pressure and fear and adversity, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. After Peter has walked closely with Jesus, Jesus has washed Peter's feet. He's served him. He's loved him. After everything Peter heard Jesus teach, the miracles he saw Jesus do, all the zeal, the passion to follow him in this moment— When the pressure's high, Peter fails. He sins. This is a big deal. And so what I want to do is I want to look at three things that I think we can really learn, that we need to learn from Peter's failure. And then we're going to look at what John says about Jesus in the midst of that failure. And we're going to see three things that are amazing and glorious and awesome about Jesus that need to encourage our hearts today. So the first thing about Peter that we need to learn is that pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to destruction. Peter's a guy with a little bit of pride, wouldn't you say? What have we seen Peter do so far? Um, Jesus walks out on the water to meet the disciples when they're in a boat in the middle of a storm. And then uh, Peter's like, it's a ghost. And it's like, dude, you've been hanging out with the guy for three years. It's not a ghost. It's Jesus. And then Jesus uh, says, it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come and walk out and meet you on the water. And Jesus tells him, okay, come out and walk on the water. And Peter starts walking on the surface of the water. And what happens? He starts getting a little cocky. He's like, look at me, boys. Here we go. Walking on water like Jesus. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. Right? Peter was so confident and then he took his eyes off Jesus. What else have we seen Peter do? In the garden when Jesus is getting betrayed and arrested and Jesus is, is saying the gospel is not going to go forward with violence. It's going to be with sacrificial love. What does Peter do? He pulls out a pocket knife and tries to charge at 600 soldiers. Right? He's like, I got this. I got you, Jesus. Right? The the line that I think sums up Peter's life is, I got this, right? If you had to sum up his whole life, I got this. Peter is confident. He's prideful, right? He's one of only two disciples, him and John, who are still following Jesus in this moment. Everyone else is bailed. He's confident. At one point, uh, Matthew records this in his gospel. Peter replied to Jesus, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And then Jesus says this, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Jesus tells him straight up, you're going to deny me three times. This is what's happening. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Imagine God says to you, you're going to do this. And then you look back at God and say, no, I'm not. That's what Peter did. Peter's prideful man. He thinks he's doing well. I'm still following Jesus. I'm good. So he goes into this situation where he's tempted, where he's questioned and he's weak because what has he done? He's taken his eyes off Jesus. He's confident in his own ability to walk with Jesus. And then the thing about pride is that it does not go well with the gospel. Pride and the gospel are two separate things. If you want to be the Lord of your own life, if you want to find salvation yourself, you want to look within yourself, you want to dictate how your life is going to go, how your salvation is going to go, how your relationship with God is going to go, you can't have Jesus. That's what he's saying. Jesus has already told them in chapter 15, apart from me, separate from me, disconnected from me, you can do what? Nothing. He's already said that to Peter, and still Peter is so confident in his own ability to follow Jesus. And so he goes charging in to all these situations. He goes running in, prideful, confident. And that's the weird thing about pride, right? When we think that we're doing well in our walk with God, in life things are going good, what happens? We take the credit for it, right? But then what happens when things aren't going well? We throw up our hands and go, God, what are you doing? We blame God. Right? Peter is so confident. He's got pride. So he goes charging into these situations. He's still saying to God, I'm going to run in and do what I want to do with my life. And you can follow me if you want, Jesus. And this is the posture that we need to take. It's got to be humility. It's got to be the reverse of that. It's got to be, no, 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 Jesus, you're doing something. You're moving. God, you're working. You're going to do something with my life. I surrender my life to you. You go. I'm just going to follow you. There's got to be that shift in posture. Every time we see pride take over in a disciple of Jesus, bad things happen. They make a shipwreck of their lives. That's why Paul says uh, to the church in Corinth, he says this, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. If you're doing well right now, if you're walking with the Lord, you're confident, things are going good, amazing. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Take heed, be aware, pick your head up. Because Peter's actually going to go on later to write in one of his letters, the devil, your enemy, is like a lion, prowling around, waiting for you, for a moment of weakness to pounce on you. I think that's what actually happened to Peter in this situation. That's why he can write about it later. His pride got the best of him. He took his eyes off Jesus, and boom, he failed in this moment. First thing, pride leads to destruction. Second thing we need to learn from Peter's failure. I think we've got it up there. Yeah, faith must be stronger than fear. Faith must be stronger than fear. So what what happened in this story? Peter first is confronted by uh, the servant girl at the door, verse 17, said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Are you a follower of Jesus? Okay, we can maybe give Peter a pass on this one, because it's just a little servant girl at the door. He's probably not that scared. Okay, first time, drops the ball, but then what happens? Two more times, verse 25, Peter's standing and warming himself by the fire, the charcoal fire. They said to him, this time the they is officials, maybe soldiers, maybe they're armed. And they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And then I love this, verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. This is so funny because it's like, Peter's denied it. No, I don't know Jesus. I'm not with Jesus. Nope, don't know the guy. And there's a, a guy there who was in the garden and watched Peter cut his cousin's ear off. And so he's like, Peter... You're, you're, hey, you're that, I think you tried to stab my cousin in the face. I think I saw you there, right? Peter's like, nope, <laughs> wasn't me. I don't know. You saw someone else, I guess. Right, but three times, man, three times he drops the ball. Why? He's scared. We know from the other gospel writers that in, the, in this situation, Peter uh, was able to see, because John, remember, brought him into the courtyard. So Peter can see Jesus on trial right now. He can see um, the guy questioning him punch him or slap him across the face, right? He can see the violence that's happening. He can see the injustice that's happening to Jesus. He starts to realize what's going on. And Peter, in his heart, when he's asked, hey, are you with that guy? He does the calculation in his brain, right, that we often do. If I stand up, if I say that I'm with Jesus right now, I say that I'm a Christian, I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, what's going to happen to me? I might end up like him. I might end up persecuted. I might end up hated. I might end up beaten and tried falsely and even crucified, killed. And I think that's going through Peter's brain and the fear grips him. The fear takes hold of him more than his faith that Jesus will show up, that Jesus is God and that Jesus has the result in his hands. Peter fails to trust that when he stands up and identifies with Jesus, Jesus will see him through like he always has. Right? And how often are we in these situations right, where we're faced with people, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your work, in your office, in your social life, Right, where you're faced with a very similar question, you're not also one of those disciples of Jesus, are you? Right, And this is scary. This can actually be scary. We can feel the heat. We can feel the pressure of this and start to do the same thing Peter did and go, what's going to happen to me if I actually share my faith? If I actually say that, yeah, I'm with Jesus. Right, I've dropped the ball in this situation so many times. And one situation comes to mind where this man, this hit me, I felt this was, I was on this uh, kind of this weekend party thing not that long ago. as a bachelor party for uh, one of my really close buddies. And it's like 25 guys. And I'm the only one there who's a Christian, I think. And we're sitting around the bar. It's one of the nights that, that we're out on the town. And it's 20, you know, 25 other guys. And they're sitting around, they're having drinks, everyone's getting to know each other, talking about what they do. It's like, hey, I'm an investment banker, I'm a lawyer, I'm a club promoter, I'm this and that, and the drinks are flowing and they're going around, they're talking about stories of, you know, the night before and girls they were with and all these things, and it's going around the circle, and then it's like, hey man, what do you do? I'm like, ah, I'm a dog walker, (laughs) Um, no, I was like, oh, in that moment, right, I'm, I'm feeling it, man. I'm, I'm in Peter's shoes. I'm like, hey, what do I do? Because this could make for a really awkward rest of the weekend. The guy who is just, I was just talking to a moment ago is telling me how he is, he's got a brother who's gay and his family is very religious and that's been really hard for them and all these things. And then he's looking at me going, okay, what are you about? Right, in that moment, how easy would it have been for me to just be like, yeah, no, I don't know, I I'm part of a, I, I hang out at a movie theater every Sunday and, Just, I help serve bread. I serve, I'm a waiter and uh, I help people have juice. And uh, yeah, let's talk about you, man. Um, But in that moment, what am I going to choose, right? Faith that Jesus wants to maybe show up and that if I actually just am honest and own it, that Jesus is more powerful than I am, that maybe he wants to show up in that moment and actually do something. Or am I going to let fear grip my heart and make a decision that I'm going to later regret? Right, Because we read in in Luke's version of this story that at the end, when the rooster crows, Jesus actually looks over and makes eye contact with Peter, and his heart sinks. Bitterness overtakes him. He starts crying. That's the regret that he feels. And I just think, man, when we get to the end of our lives and we look back on these situations, we look back on how we lived, how we represented Jesus in the world, I actually don't think we're going to look back and wish that we played it a little bit safer. You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to look back and regret the times that we actually talked about Jesus to people. I think we're going to regret the times where we, in those moments, we thought of ourselves more than we loved that person. Because if we really love that person, we want them to meet Jesus and know Jesus and have their life transformed by Jesus, right? I think we're going to regret the times that we tried to preserve ourselves, preserve our reputations, preserve our social status more than we wanted to share the love of the God who saved us and changed us, right? And I think that's what happens to Peter. Fear overtakes him. So we can, we can learn that, man. Faith's got to be stronger than fear. And so for you, what does this look like when you're, uh, you know, you're in your office, you're in your family, whatever? Is there somebody that you need to just ask, hey, how can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? That's a step, man. That's a, that's a bold step because that could get awkward, right? Do you need to get someone a Bible? Do you need to tell someone you're praying for them? When somebody asks you, hey, what are you about? Hey, why don't you, why don't you do the things that, that we do? Do you need to speak up? Man, Illness party, like, it was awesome. This led to so many amazing gospel conversations with people. It was actually amazing. Throughout the rest of the weekend, like, they started calling me father, which was super weird. And uh, we're playing golf, and they're, like, riding in the golf cart with me. And, like, it was early morning, rough night before. They're, like, confessing their sins to me. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, don't do that. And then one of the guys I was talking to, he actually, like, they went out on a winery tour, And he saw a painting of Jesus at the winery and he stole it for me. And he brought it back to me. He's like, dude, we we had that talk the night before and we were out and I saw this and I thought of you. And I was like, that is so sweet. You need to give this back right now. (laughs) I'm going to drive you to that winery. Um, But man, the conversations that we had, I was so fearful in that moment. But then when I actually just like, man, faith that maybe Jesus wants to do something here. I don't know what, what's going to happen with that. Nothing crazy happened, but we had the best conversations. I was able to tell people, like, this guy with the gay brother, like, dude, you're, God loves you and he loves your brother. And let's work this out. This is what I believe. This is what I think. But it just, it opened up doors, man. Faith over fear. Uh, third thing we need to learn from Peter is that the battle is won or lost in the dark. Right, so something uh, really powerful happens uh, in Matthew's, uh, Matthew's account of the story right before uh, Peter denies Jesus three times. They're in the garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Jesus is, is praying, right? And he has, he has um, Peter and John with him, and uh, he knows he's about to be betrayed and arrested and then go and, and be crucified, and uh, he knows that this temptation is going to happen for Peter, and this is what he says to him. He says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus came back and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So in the night before, the night leading up to this moment where Peter's going to be tested, he's going to face this test of his faith where he's either going to be afraid and run away, or he's going to stand up for who he is in Jesus. What does Jesus tell him? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. On your knees, connect with the Father. Peter, you're not gonna have the strength that you need for what's coming if you're not abiding. John 15, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is telling him, Peter, you don't know what's coming down the pipe, this temptation that you're gonna face. If you wanna be strong and stand up and be the man that I've called you to be in that moment, you need to, behind the scenes, in the dark, when your eyelids are heavy and you're bored and you're tired, that's when you need to press into me. That's when you need to connect with God. Because the reality of our lives is that we live moment to moment, not in who we are in that moment. What we're doing moment to moment is living out the person that we actually are in the depths of our heart. We're living out the riches, the treasures of God's truth and God's word and God's spirit and his power that we've already stored deep within us. That's why Luke says this. He puts it this way. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart. Sorry, this is Jesus speaking out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Man, the things that you say, the things that you do, the way that you respond to temptation and to pressure and to any of these situations, it's an outflow of who you've already already decided to be a thousand times in the dark before that moment. Right? If you're trying to get fit, you're trying to lose weight, And it's been a few months, right? And you step on the scale and you don't see a number that you like. What do you do? You don't go, oh, I messed up today, right? It's like, no, you didn't do what you needed to do every day, every moment, every meal, every workout for the six months leading up to that moment when you stepped on the scale. Man, this is about discipleship in the dark. Who we are in these big moments of trial and testing it's just showing. It's just revealing who we've already decided to be. Have we already decided to, to connect with God? Have we communed with him in the dark when it's, when it's, it's hard and we're, we don't feel like it? Peter didn't feel like it. He was tired. His eyes were heavy, it said. And so what did he do? Even though Jesus told him, watch and pray, he slept. Man, what do we do in the dark when there's nobody to impress? When there's nobody looking? Man, do you know how easy it is for me to just like or Lee, or Andy, or whoever, to just get up here and just say some stuff on a Sunday. That doesn't matter. What actually matters is who I am the other six days of the week. Am I in the Word? Am I treasuring the truths of God deep in my heart? Am I connecting with God deep in my heart? Because when it actually matters, that's what's going to flow out of me. Are you making deposits into the treasury of your heart? When you read the Word, when you pray, are you praying? Are you storing the, these deep truths, these treasures, these amazing things of God deep in your heart? Because when you need it most, that is what is going to flow out of you. Three things about Peter. Pride leads to destruction. Right? we got to have fe- uh, faith over fear. Right? And discipleship in the dark, man. The battle is won or lost in the dark. Um, so figure out where we are here. <clears throat> Classic. Um, So that's three things about Peter. But the awesome thing about this story is that um, it's not ultimately about Peter's failure, right? The whole Bible, it's not ultimately about our failure and our sin and how bad and yucky and ugly and sinful we are. Ultimately, the Bible is a story about how good Jesus is, how gracious God is in the midst of our failure. And this is why John is a master storyteller, because this is what he does. If you notice, he sandwiched the Jesus part right in between the two parts about Peter's failure. He puts it right in the middle because he wants us to not miss this awesome truth. Because as Peter is sinning, as Peter is failing, Jesus is not. Okay, just, let's just look at this real quick. Verse 19, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. So the high priest says to Jesus, who are your disciples? What are they doing? Because they want to try trap the disciples, punish them as well. And he asked Jesus, what's your teaching like? disciples and teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And then again in verse 23, Jesus said, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? What is he saying? Jesus is saying, I don't have secret teaching. Everything that I've taught has been in the open. It's been in the synagogues. It's been in the temple. There would have been thousands and thousands of people who gathered every day, every Sabbath, to hear Jesus teach. In the synagogues and temple, he's saying, I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm an open book. My life, my teaching, they're an open book to you. Go ask the people who heard me teach what I'm all about. And it's this really interesting thing. Maybe you've had this. I've had this so many times where I talk to people, a lot of my friends who, um, and my family even, who... Who reject jesus they reject christianity they think i'm a little bit crazy um, but then i talk to them about it and they actually have no idea what jesus taught they have no idea what jesus is actually about because they've never actually done the the integrous thing to do which is if you're going to dismiss somebody actually figure out what they're about that's what jesus is saying don't slap me in the face don't reject my teaching you don't even know what i taught so go ask the people who heard my teaching this is the reality, man. If you are, are here and you're exploring this and you're not sure what you believe yet, man, we're so stoked that you're here. That's amazing because you're actually doing what Jesus said. Look, fig- figure out what I taught. He's not hiding anything from you. There's no like secret thing that we hope you don't figure out about Jesus or Christianity that if you look in some like weird books, you'll find. No, it's all here. Jesus is saying my life, my teaching, who I am, it's all here. If you don't have a Bible, dude, let me give you a Bible. I would love to give you your first Bible. And just start eating this up, man. The Gospels, who Jesus is, what he taught, what he did. And he'll meet you there. And he'll speak to you. He's saying, I'm an open book. I'm not hiding from you. In fact, I want to meet you. I want you to meet me. I want to save you. I want to change your life. I want to transform you. That's amazing. Jesus said, I'm an open book, man. Let's go. Um, But then the second thing that he does, Jesus protects his disciples. Right, so if you notice that, um, they asked him about his teaching and about his disciples. He only speaks to the teaching. So what Jesus is doing there is he's protecting his disciples because they want to trap him, uh trip them up in some things that they've done or said so they can punish them, put them on trial, maybe even crucify them with Jesus. Right? And Jesus knows that. And so it's this beautiful thing that John wants us to see where as Peter is failing at the exact same moment, Jesus is not failing him. At the exact moment that Peter is lying to protect himself, Jesus is telling the truth in order to protect Peter. The exact same moment that Peter is denying Jesus, Jesus is not denying Peter. He's actually standing on the truth, choosing the way of suffering. As Peter chooses the easy way out to protect himself, Jesus is choosing the hard way, the way of suffering, the way of crucifixion, laying down his life in order to protect Peter who's denying him, who's sinning against him. John's showing us the gospel. Because in our worst moments, our worst moments of failure, our worst moments of sin, where we feel disgusting about ourselves, and we think that we've let Jesus down. We've denied Jesus in our, in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our speech. At the exact same time that we were denying him and failing him and sinning against him, he was being faithful. He was dying for us. He was going to the cross for us to pay for that very sin. The first thing of three that we need to see about Jesus in this is that Jesus is faithful when we are unfaithful. That's why Paul says this to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy I think we've got it there. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. When we are unfaithful, Jesus is faithful. Um, Because the amazing thing is that when Peter sins, when he fails here, this is not the end of the story. Not even close. Praise God, it's not the end of the story. Um, What happens? Fast forward really quick. We're going to come to it in uh, John chapter 21 anyway when we hit that properly. Um, But really quick, what happens after this, this happens, this failure, this sin, later we get Peter um, who's gone back to fishing. He's sitting on a boat and he's, uh, it says he's stripped down for work. So he's fishing in his underwear, which is like, yeah, when you have an existential crisis, what do you do? You, you go fishing in your underwear, right? Of course, why wouldn't you? And so Peter's in a boat fishing and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, after he's gone to the cross and raised to life, he shows up on the shore and he makes a charcoal fire. Where did Peter deny him? around a charcoal fire and Jesus makes a charcoal fire on the shore and Peter sees him and he's so stoked that he jumps out of the boat as he's fishing and swims to shore to get to Jesus and then this beautiful scene happens where Jesus says, hey, come and have a meal with me. I want to meet you in the exact place around a charcoal fire, the exact place that you failed me. I want to meet you in your sin. I want to meet you in your mess. I want to meet you in the middle of your brokenness where you failed me and I want to redeem you, Peter. And he says three times to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? A third time, he's heartbroken. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Why three times? Because Peter failed Jesus three times. Jesus reinstates Peter. He restores him with three statements. He's saying to Peter, every single sin... Every single one of them, Peter, I paid for on the cross. He's saying to us, every single sin, when my arms were outstretched on the cross and I shouted with my last breath, Te telestai, it is finished, paid in full. That meant every single sin, even the ones that you don't forgive yourself for, the ones you still struggle with right now, the ones you haven't even committed yet, every sin. And then he gives Peter the same words. He leaves them with the same words that he started with. Because at the beginning, Jesus walked up to Peter fishing and said, follow me. And then the last words he gives to Peter in John chapter 21, follow me. He's saying to Peter, you've messed up. You've sinned. You failed. Let me restore you. I paid for every single sin. And the command to you, the call to you on your life, Peter, is the same as it was on day one. Follow me. You failed. You messed up. Get back up. Let me restore you. Follow me. Same call. Same call to us. Turn our hearts back to God. Let him restore us. Let him make us new. Let him free us. And then continue following man. One step at a time. One imperfect broken step at a time. Follow me. Man, I just had the opportunity. It was, it was incredible to be part of, um, if you guys have heard of Freedom Session, it's this program that runs over six months and it just helps people who are in bondage to sin. The, 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 sin, the sins of their past or their present, they just have such a hold on their life, on their heart. Um, it's things that people have deep down in that they just, they just can't, get rid of. They think that's their identity. They think that's who they are. I am this sin. Um, And it's this program that just walks them through the gospel week after week after week. Hey, you think you're this? Jesus says this. Hey, you're struggling with this? Jesus says this. And I got to walk with a couple men, a couple close friends of mine uh, for the last six months and be at their graduation. And this, they do this super cool thing. It's called poster board testimonies where they walk across the stage and then they hold up this big, like, Arts and crafts poster board. And on it, it's written all the things that had a hold of their mind, had a hold of their heart, the things that were shaping their identity. And I get to watch my friends from the gym who are these like big, tough guys who like I bench press with and cry with and have coffee with, but we don't talk about those times. And uh, they're walking across the stage and they have on these poster boards, this is who I was. And it's narcissist, self-serving, sex addict, broken, worthless, damaged goods. That's who I was when I went into this program before I met Jesus. And then they flip it over and on the other side, it's this is who I know I am in Christ. Freed, loved, accepted, forgiven, transformed, changed, child of God, belonging, disciple. And I'm just like, man, I'm watching this and I'm trying not to cry because my wife's with me and I'm trying to be tough and I'm like, Man, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus does. This is what he did to Peter. This is what he wants to do for every single one of us. Because the world tells us in our sin, our own mind tells us in our brokenness, when we fail, our mind and the world tells us, that's who you are. You're your sin. You are what you do. You are your brokenness. The gospel, Jesus says, no, that's something you've done. That's not who you are. I want to free you from that. And when I walk around thinking I am my past sin, I used to be a lustful teenager. I used to be a prideful, messed up person. And I'm not perfect now, but Jesus has so transformed my life that that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the most high king. And those things that used to control how I think, used to control my heart and how I live, no hold on me anymore because the cross and the resurrection broke that power. These things that used to control me have no say in how I live my life and my future because the cross and the resurrection of Jesus broke that power. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus does for Peter. And he sends him out. Follow me. I want to restore you. And I still want to use you, man. And what happens, man? Acts chapter two. Somebody's got to step up and preach. The early church hasn't been born yet. Who steps up to preach? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he preaches and 3,000 people fix their eyes on Jesus and they're saved, transformed, become part of the church. And then Jesus goes, or uh, Peter goes, and in the power of Jesus, he heals paralyzed legs, tells him, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And he becomes this leader in the church. He writes two powerful books of the New Testament, one and two, Peter. And the things that he says in those, he's feeding the sheep. He's doing what Jesus told him to do on the beach, around the charcoal fire, feed my sheep. Peter spends the rest of his days actually walking in obedience to that. And it's this beautiful thing where we actually know from history that Peter went to the end of his life and he died actually by being crucified in a similar way that Jesus was. But he won't let them crucify him the same right side up, the same way. He's like, I'm not even worthy of that. Crucify me upside down. And in that moment, again, faced with the same temptation he was right here, you're going to deny being with Jesus to save your life? And Peter goes, not this time and he dies serving the Lord. He dies with his boots on because he's restored, he's redeemed, he's changed, and he's sent back out. That was a super long point. When we're unfaithful, Jesus is faithful. Second thing about Jesus that's awesome, Jesus will restore a repentant heart. That's what we already talked about, but I just want to point out a couple things about our posture when we sin, because this is important. How we respond to sin matters because it will either crush us and destroy us, and defeat us, or we will decide to turn our hearts back to Jesus, and let him restore us, and redeem us, and use us. Jesus will restore a repentant heart. What happens with Peter? Uh, He's in the boat, and Jesus shows up. Jesus pursues him, because that's what Jesus does in our sin. He still comes after us. Resurrected Jesus shows up at the beach, and says, Peter, I still want you. Come and have a meal with me. And Peter does not hang his head in shame. What does he do? He He puts some pants on first, which is good. And then he jumps out of the boat and he swims toward Jesus and he runs toward Jesus. That's our posture when we sin. We can start to think that Jesus doesn't want us anymore. No, Jesus shows up on the beach. He shows up in the place of our sin and says, I want to meet you there. Come to me. And we don't hang our head in shame. We don't carry the guilt that Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to carry. We swim. We get out of the boat. Man, I'm... I cannot swim. So if you're like me, that's a nightmare to you. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims across the sea to get to Jesus. That needs to be our posture. We'll do anything to get back to him, to get back into right relationship with him, turn our hearts to him. King David was not a perfect man, right? He committed adultery and then basically murder. In his worst moment, he writes a psalm that talks about how when he held the sin in, His bones were wasting away. He felt like he was being crushed. Man, some of us, we need to get to that point, like Peter uh, in Luke's account of this story, where when he sins and the rooster crows, he sees Jesus look at him and his heart breaks. And he goes out and weeps bitterly. We need to get to that point where our heart actually breaks because of what we've done. And some of us are not walking in the freedom of the gospel. We're not walking in the freedom of following Jesus because we're not actually willing to come face to face with the ugliness of our own sin. We need to have that moment, that Peter moment, that King David moment, where our heart breaks over our sin. And then that heartbrokenness becomes the movement that we need to push us back toward Jesus. And Jesus is always faithful to restore a broken and sinful heart. And then the last thing we need to notice about Jesus. This is awesome. Jesus will use a willing heart. Jesus is faithful. Jesus will restore a repentant heart. And he will use a willing heart. Um, often when this passage and others are preached about Peter. It just becomes like this thing where we beat up on Peter. Like, oh, he's such a bad guy. Look how he sinned. Look how he sinned. Look how he sinned. There are actually some really great things about Peter. That I think are the reason that God was able to use him so powerfully. Because say what you want about Peter. He was prideful. He made a lot of mistakes. He was sinful. He was very imperfect. But he was down. He was willing. Man, he showed up. And then he kept showing up. And then he sinned and messed up. And then he kept showing up again. That was Peter. He was like, let's go. I'm actually willing to do something. I'm willing to take action. And I think the reason for this is that he heard Jesus' words to him. Jesus said straight up, John 13, now that you know these things, all the things I've said to you, You will be blessed if you do them. End of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. Peter's in this group. He's just listened to all Jesus' beautiful teaching. What does Jesus say? Everyone who hears these words of mine and what does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are you doing the word of God? Peter was willing to not just know some things and get some head knowledge. Peter showed up. And yeah, sometimes he ran and tried to take on 600 soldiers with a pocket knife and that was stupid, but at least he went. At least he did something, right? James talks about in his, in his book, the book of James, he talks about how faith without works is dead. How our faith is supposed to be living. What does it mean to have a living faith? Man, some of us, we just we want to go, leave me alone. Let me grow in my faith. Let me just think about things, read things, talk about things that I'm reading in the Bible with other Christians. Let me just grow in my faith. Leave me alone to grow in my faith. Stop telling me to do stuff. What does it mean for you to grow in your faith? It means for you to actually put your faith into action, to actually read and learn, and pray, and know what Jesus wants you to do, and then get up from that place, loving Jesus more, knowing more, and then putting your knowledge to work. Actually living it out. Being active in your faith. Man, if you are just learning more about Jesus, but that doesn't make you love Jesus more, and then get up and live and look more like Jesus, you're not growing in your faith. You're growing in knowledge. When we grow in faith is when we take this, and we actually try to do it, and we put ourselves in situations in real life where if God doesn't show up and do something, we're going to fail and look silly and fall flat on our face, and we will sometimes. Right? But if what I'm reading here doesn't cause me to get up and to love my wife more sacrificially, I don't think I'm growing in my faith. If what I'm reading here, if I don't get up and go and try to tell my neighbor about Jesus and tell him how God loves him, I don't think I'm, growing in my faith. I'm growing in knowledge. If I don't read this and then sit around a circle and hear people gossiping and slandering and go, oh, I need to build people up with my words and encourage them, not tear them down. I don't think I'm growing in my faith. Peter was messed up. He was imperfect. He sinned, but I think God looked on him and said, rough around the edges, but I can use that because he showed up. He was willing to get his hands dirty He had his boots on. He was willing to go to work. He was willing to take ground for the kingdom. And so today, looking at Peter, looking at Jesus, who he is in the midst of our failure, what is God saying to you? Have you been distant from him? In the dark, when you're tired, what kind of spiritual deposits have you been making into the treasury of your heart? Is there pride? Do you need to turn your eyes back to Jesus and fix your eyes on him? Man, are there parts of your faith that you actually need to get up and start living? Not just making a stockpile of knowledge, but actually going out and trying to do these things. What is God saying to you in this? And just know, man, if you are here and you are hurting right now, and you're broken, and you're in sin, and you're right now wrestling with something, you're giving into temptation, you're feeling the weight of that, just see how good Jesus is. That when you're failing him, he will not fail you. If you haven't put your faith in him and what he's done for you on the cross, man, let me just encourage you to do that. Trust in him. He said, I've I've paid for every single sin on the cross. I've defeated the power that that sin can have over your heart and mind by raising from the dead. Just trust me, follow me. You won't be perfect, you never will. But this is the God who specializes in using imperfect people to do glorious, eternal things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that for the million, million, billion times that I've messed up, you are still good. That you never fail me, that you never let me down, that every single time I can turn my heart back to you and you are faithful to restore me and redeem me, Lord. Thank you that you paid for every single sin on the cross. Thank you that you are a perfect God who can use imperfect people to do great things. Thank you that in you our failure is never final because you are so good. I pray that there would be faith grown in this place, Lord. That there would be faith lived out in this place. That you'd help us to go from here, Lord, and follow you. Obediently follow you with faith, not fear. To not be afraid of the situations you're going to send us into. But to step up and to live and to speak and to act the gospel out of the rich stores of our heart that you place there. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Revive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.